everyone. Welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu, and I'm your host. And today we're joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, she's not on this side of the world. She's on the opposite side of the world in doing ministry in Africa. Lily Lazarian. Lily, how's it going this morning for you, tonight for me? <laughs> <laughs> It's so far. It's uh, it's not a rainy day, so we're actually very happy for that. We're in the rainy season, and so any day that we wake up and the rain's not there, we're we're super thrilled. <laughs> well, it's it doesn't rain much here in Southern California, but um, we can't relate. But it's a good thing that it's not raining over there, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode. I think this will be fun, and I think it'll be very informative and uh, just uplifting to a lot of the listeners out there to hear the work that God's working through your ministry and you over there in Uganda. So uh, thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. Perfect. And before we get uh, too far into the episode, I do want to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first and foremost, you can follow follow us for uh, any and all updates on our Instagram at The Potter's House. That's where you can reach me uh, for any information. Uh, our most common and popular podcast platforms are Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So you can find us on there. If you have an iPhone, please go to that purple icon, the Apple Podcast app. Scroll down, tap the stars, and leave a written review. It'll really help the exposure of the show. And if you do leave a written review, um, I will read that out on the show as I've done in the past. So please do that. It really, really helps. So uh, also, last-minute uh, thing here, uh, something I've been announcing these last couple of weeks. Uh, Wednesday, May 26th is the last episode of this current second to be season kind of thing. Uh, I do want to take a break in the summer to recharge, to refresh, to re-record, just get things done and uh, kind of work on other things pertaining to the podcast, but not so much on the recording side of it. So um, as I said, I can't imagine myself being silent for three months. So maybe I'll post something here and there and maybe we'll do something a little bit different. It, we'll still keep it interactive, but as far as weekly podcast releases um, will be ending in the end of May, and then picking up back uh, in the early fall, late summer kind of time when uh, everyone gets back to school, gets back in the swing of things. So that's that. But those are the announcements, and let's get back to this episode. So, Lily, we actually uh, connected. Uh, well, first we connected because uh, Donna, your friend who's sitting right next to you, who was on the show a few weeks ago with the Dominican Republic uh episode uh, mentioned that she was in Uganda working with you and then Ruth who was also a guest on that episode reached out and said you should totally have Lily on she'd be great for the podcast and uh, now we're here now we're here uh, you know reaching out different time zones different sides of the earth uh, different days for you it's Thursday for me it's Wednesday uh, but Lily uh, before we get in too much into the ministry um, for those people out there who don't know you uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit Okay, so my name's Lily. Uh, I am from Detroit, Michigan, born and raised. Um, I come from a very strong, faith-filled family. We were uh, eight kids. And yeah, I just, I grew up my entire life in, you know, the Pentecostal faith in church. Um, and I will get into this a little bit more later, but just how that um, changed a lot of decisions I had to make in my life the the way I grew up but yeah I'm just a, a very simple girl from Detroit um and somehow God brought me across the ocean to uh, the continent of Africa and so um yeah I'm excited to get into uh how God brought me out here and all he's doing and hopefully it will encourage others to get out of their bubble and start pursuing the purpose God has for their life absolutely yeah hopefully hopefully so and we're glad that you have this opportunity to share your story, to to be that encouragement to, to others out there listening, to others out there who maybe are in a certain situation or maybe don't know where exactly God has called them to, but uh, they're kind of on the on the brink of breakthrough, as we like to say it. But um, Lily, let's start. Let's start from the beginning, or wherever you think the beginning, whatever you think is appropriate for the beginning, wherever you want to start. Uh, but obviously, it takes a great deal of commitment and a great step of faith to kind of leave everything behind, your church, your friends, your family back behind in Michigan, 
and go to the other side of the world, not not just like as a, a two-week mission trip or a three-month stay, but a, a full-time ministry position where you're out there, you're living, you're 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 working with with the people, you're growing up with them essentially. So um, wherever you want, Lily, where do you want to start? We're we're gonna go back to the beginning where you were living in Michigan, you were here in the states, and then uh, to the point where God called you to that to that part of the world. So um, I'm gonna let you get started. Okay, thanks. Um, okay, so it started uh, when I was in church one Sunday, and there was a missionary that came to our church to do a presentation on the kids from Romania. She was an elderly lady. I think she was like 78 or 79 at the time. And she was just talking about these kids in Romania, street kids and orphans that she works with and she's been working with since she was 19 years old. And she's like, I really need some girls out here to come help me and clean the lice out of these kids' heads. And mind you, at this point, like I never in my life thought I was going to be a missionary. Like I, the, the, the topic, or I guess the title missionary to me is like, this quiet, humble person, <laughs> which you will see later. I, I'm not quiet at all, <laughs> but um, no, it's just, she, she started talking about how she needed help. And she's like, I want some girls to raise their hands at church and commit that they would come out to Romania and help me, you know, clean the lights from these kids, help me with these kids. And I'm sitting there and I, and I'm seeing myself raising my hand and I'm thinking to myself, Lily, what are you doing? Like, put your hand down. This is like in full church. Um, and so, and then I see my sister, my cousin and another friend raise their hands and I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Like, I'm not alone in this. <laughs> so literally it all started from this lady just doing a presentation and saying she needs help with somebody to clean lice. Well, the fact that I grew up in Detroit and we grew up in like a poverty stricken era area, um, we had lice, like <laughs> we grew up with lice every year we would have it. We went to public schools. So that was one thing I knew how to do. We knew how to clean it. We knew how to remove it from, um, from our heads. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I can't do much. I don't know what a missionary is supposed to do, but I do know how to clean lice and I can go do that. And so, um, we started from that point when we like raised our hand, it was a commitment in front of the church. It was a commitment to her. And so we really got into it and, um, we started doing different bake sales to try to raise money. Um, but then what happened is we got a lot of um, just pushback from the church and the elderly church members. And uh, why are you girls trying to go on a mission trip? This is not a place for you guys. This is not what you guys are supposed to do. This is not your like this is men do mission trips. Guys do mission trips. This has nothing to do with girls. Like your job is to get married and have kids. And uh, me being me, that was not flying. Like, no, you will not tell me that I can't go to another country to help some kids. Like you don't call it a mission trip. I don't care what you call You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to call it that, but like, you can't tell me what I can and can't do regardless that you are our church elders and whatnot. And so it was, it was very difficult, but short story long, <laughs> or is it long story short? <laughs> um, it's it, it just for a few years I had to keep pushing back and I kept doing what God was calling me to do and we kept going to Romania um, and I fell in love with these kids and it's funny because once we got there and then every other year more people wanted to come so it was awakening others in the church it was awakening others in Romania that wanted to join us when we would get there to go to this area it was Negresh Vaslui where there's a lot, a lot of poor street kids, a lot of orphans, kids sleeping um, under bridges in boxes, like just horrible conditions. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? God is doing too much for me to just not do this, to not go. And so that's how it all started. It all started because of lice. And it's funny because the first year when we got there, um, you know, all these girls said they were coming, they, they came to help me, but nobody wanted to actually remove the lice. I ended up being the only one doing it. And so we were laughing because everybody got lice except me. And so <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is what happens, girls, when you sign up and you don't actually come through. <laughs> so, so you said it was um, lice, right? L-I-C-E. Yeah. It's funny. The first half of the conversation, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying lights and I was just like cleaning lights. That's so weird. Why would you have to clean lights? <laughs> oh, they didn't have lights. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah, so that's kind of how like my life, like just God opened up my heart and my mind to the idea that Lily, this is what I might be calling you to, you know, and I've always loved children in general from a young age. Um, anybody that knows me knows that. And so um, I think God was opening up the purpose on my life by taking this step of faith and just by starting it with lice, like something I knew how to, how to do, how to clean. Um, and so, yeah, it started with Romania. And then um, I had been to Mexico a few times. And then Africa came about in 2000, that was 2008. And now we're in 2011. So at the end of 2011, uh, I was praying in church and you know, the Romanian church is like, we have at the end of the year, we pray into the new year. Like we're usually praying into the, like whatever new year is coming. And so uh, I was, I was just praying and I was like, God, I don't know what you're doing in my life. Like I feel so out of place in the church I'm in. I feel so out of place in the community I'm in. All my friends have gotten married. It's not a season I'm at right now. Like, I just, I didn't know. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why, why do I feel like all my friendships and relationships that I've had are all like, they've broken apart. Like, what is it that you're doing in me and through me? And I said, can you please give me a sign in the new year? If being a missionary is what you are calling me for and what is like going to be the purpose of my life. And so the second day of the year of 2012, I get a call from a lady from another Romanian church in that, in the area that we live in. And I didn't pick up because I, I usually won't answer if I don't know who's calling me. And she left me a voicemail and she's like, I heard about you and the work you're doing in Romania. And I want to talk to you about Africa. And I almost died at that moment because I was like, Lord, like I asked for a sign. And here is this person that doesn't know me, has not ever met me you know, it leaves me a voicemail of, of talking about Africa. And I was like, like, it was, I felt like God just took a hammer and just, you know, bonked me on the head and said, here's your sign. Like, <laughs> do you want to see it clearly? Here it is. And so from that moment I met her and well, I met up with her and she just told me a bit more about, she'd been out here the previous year and uh, the ministry that she had worked with. And she's like, I think you'd be so great out there. There's just so much to do. And um, I was taken like I it, she didn't even need to like, you know, compel me in other in any other way. Like I was like, I'm going somehow, some way I'm going. Um, and so that year, 2012, I quit my job mid spring uh, because I was already prepared to go to Romania at that point for a little over, I think, two and a half months to three months. Um, and so and I was like, I'm not giving up on my Romanian kids like I'm still going to go there. <laughs> and so I ended up going to Romania. And then I came back to the States for a few weeks. And then I came to Uganda by myself for a month. And, and I'll never forget, like, even when I was leaving Detroit, because I'm short and I had five luggages and I remember like trying to like push these luggages on the cart and I couldn't see. So everybody was laughing at me because I was doing like a side view to like, see where I was was going, (laughs) but I was so like, not necessarily that I was scared, but I was like, man, I know they don't have any electricity. I know they don't have running water. Like I'm going to have to bring candles and peanut butter. Like this is, this is going to be what my luggages are filled with. And so, um, they were filled with like candy and clothes and stuff like that for everybody out here too. But yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I came here in October and I met, uh, the pastor and his wife at the ministry that um, the lady had come to before. And from there, I just knew it. Like not even within probably a week, I was telling another uh, gal I met here. I was like, Julia, I think I'm going to move to this country someday. And she's like, whoa, like (laughs) you've only been here a week. (laughs) Like, Like, isn't that like a big statement to say? And I was like, I don't know what it is. Like something there's something, something's going to happen here. Like, I just felt it. I don't know. It's like, you know, when you go through life sometimes and you feel like the Holy spirit moving you or speaking to you or kind of giving you like a heads up of something that's going to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was at. And so, um, from 2012 to 2017, when I physically moved out here, I traveled back and forth to the country. I would come, um, and work. I would go to the States, work two, three jobs. I would do whatever I needed to do. Um, so I didn't have to fundraise. 
uh, and have anybody coming after me. And so, um, so that I would be able to come back out here with my own finances and serve God and put the money where the money needed to go. And I would never send the money just because in countries, in third world countries, like this is just an FYI to other people out there sending money or whatnot. Always make sure you know where your money's going. A lot of third world countries, if you're working directly with locals and you're not on the ground and not seeing what's happening, uh, most likely your money's not going where you're sending it. And so um, anytime I would go and work, I would come back. Or if anybody would donate money, I would come back with that money and hand the business myself. Like I would, if we were going to buy goats for families or if we were going to build a home or if we were going to do a medical, a mobile, uh, mobile uh, medical clinic, I would all do that myself when I got to the, on the ground. And so, um, yeah, it just, it, it just got so big. When I was here in 2016, that's when I finally knew that it was time to move. Like it was getting harder for me to go to the States. That's, that's the point that God had brought me to. It was every time I went to the States, it was, it was taking me two, three months to adjust being back home. And I was like, okay, something is shifting. Like something has changed. You know, like I felt God tugging on my heart for five years. And I think the five years are up. Like I have to make this move now. And so that's what happened in, in 2017. I ended up moving out here and uh, ended up officially starting my own nonprofit. Um, before that, I didn't have it. Like I had done many mission trips to um, other countries like Romania and Mexico, but I didn't have like an organization. I just went to go because for me, it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about like, oh yeah, let me have the, this like this or big organization or this or that like for me it was truly about serving and getting to these people and getting to these kids and just taking care of whatever they need taken care of so it was just a simple thing and so yeah in 2017 um in january i ended up moving out here for good wow and i'm out here now that's, that's awesome <laughs> i do have a couple questions um as, as we were talking yeah. about uh so you mentioned that before you started doing mission work in Uganda, in Africa, you were doing a lot of mission work in Romania. But you got to that one point where that, that New Year's Eve where you were asking God to put a sign before you, uh, you know, what's next? What, what's going to happen next? Um, and then obviously, long story short, all, all everything kind of happened in its place. Five years later, you knew you were going to move there for sure. Um, but at any point was there... Was there uh, a desire to do full-time ministry in Romania, or did that only come up once uh, Uganda kind of came in the picture? Um, oh, it's a good, very good question. <laughs> I The desire, I don't think I know. The desire to truly like become a full-time missionary came when I was in Africa, because the need that I saw out here, honestly, I couldn't compare it to Romania. I couldn't, and I'd been to Romania for many years, and you just couldn't like the poverty, um, the way women are treated out here, um, the lack of resources for kids. Like I just, I knew what God could do through me, and I was like, I have to. Like I can't stay at home. I can't work my normal job. I can't lead a normal life knowing what I've seen. I, I couldn't, I couldn't erase things out of my mind anymore. Like Romania, I felt like, okay, if I, if I go once a year and I help these kids, then I felt like that was okay. That that's enough, you know, but I came out here and I was like, whoa, like coming once a year is not sufficient. I, you can't bring change. Like these, these people's lives are not going to change in a month. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it truly happened when I came to Africa. That's when it, it hit me that this was going to be it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And my second question is, uh, you said in 2017, you, you moved out there full time, you were there and then you started the nonprofit and everything. Um, obviously not only is it a big move for the individual who's moving out there, but, uh, I'm sure there's a lasting impact on loved ones back home, uh, family, uh, friends, church members, uh, co-workers, whatever it may be, what was the general response amongst your loved ones back home? Uh, was it, were, were they more on the sad side? Were they more encouraged? Were they uh, rooting for you? Were they more against it? Uh, what was the response from there back home in, in Michigan? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one's a hard one because um, five days before I flew out, my my mother had passed away and we had buried her. And so it was definitely a very, um, a very hard season, a very, it was not the perfect moment. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, but it was for me, I, I came to the rationale in this way that God knew he knew when my mother would pass. He knew that my heart was set and my, like the plane ticket was ball. Like everything was set for me to leave in January. Like God knew everything. And for me, I felt in that moment, like, while my family is mourning here, like what difference does it make that I'm mourning in a different country? Like we're all mourning. We're all going through this pain. We're all going through this shock in our lives. Like to me at that time, that was the only way I could, you know, like rationalize it and be like, I am not giving up on this. Like God knew all this. God, God had all these dates planned. Like, I'm not going to step back because of, because this happened. And, um, that was very hard on my family. And I think even till today, it, it still is sometimes, um, that in those moments I was not there that I left, um, you know, and it's just, it's hard to move on from that. And I think that as we, as time passes and as we're able to heal, um, I think circumstances like that will change. Um, but pertaining to like the church, um, the church had gotten used to it at this point that, okay, Lily's doing mission work, you know, like, um, we're not going to stop this girl at this point. And so they, they, there were some, um, like members from the church that were supportive, but to say like the church as a whole was behind me, they weren't, um, it truly was me and God at that point when I moved out here, um, just because of life circumstances, you know, and even like that first year when I got here, just so many trials hit me right from the beginning. And I would cry for months at a time and be like, God, is this really what you called me to do? Or did I make the right decision? You know, and now that I look back <laughs> to what, like four years, um, every decision I made was, was the right one, you know? And I think it's, it's, uh, maybe rare in life to look back and be like, okay, I did the right thing. You know, like a lot of times we'll look back and be like, Oh, there was a mistake there. Oh, shouldn't have done that. You know? And it's like, I look back and I'm like, thank you, God. Like, thank you that in the season of life that I was, when I moved out here, like it was the right decision for you, not for my life and not for my family's sake or, or any human being on earth, but for Christ and for what, the purpose he put on my life and for what I was called for. And so I think that that's really difficult in life to do is, especially, you know, in the Romanian communities, we're so close knit families are all close. Like you don't make a move without the opinion of every sibling, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, and even if you don't want their opinion, you're going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so um, you know, it was such a big thing to, to, to them. It was like, I was turning my back. But to me, I was like, no, like I have to follow this. I have to follow what God is doing right now because I have to stand before God on judgment day and I have to give accountability to what he called me for. And I'm an adult. And I, and I was telling my dad, like, you are not going to take responsibility for what I am called to do. I have to do that, you know, and I, and I, it breaks my heart that you guys are sad and you feel this way, but I'm more afraid of standing before God and him telling me to walk away because he doesn't know me. Like, that was more important to me, you know? And so, yeah, I just, oh, it's a lot. <laughs> I probably just gave you more questions, didn't I? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it, it, I mean, I, I, I asked that question for a reason because it's something that does come up because, uh, I mean, if it were my daughter moving out, obviously yeah. I would want her to follow God's call, but at the same time, it, you know, she's your child, this and that. So there's all obviously going to be some, some kind of, push and pull kind of going on but uh but uh i'm glad that yeah my dad yeah. my dad still tells me like you need to come home and get married like you need to come home like you've done enough for africa come home already and i'm like it doesn't work that way dad <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> well it's it's nice that he misses you uh and but i'm glad that you're you're, you're yeah. still working you're following god's call and you're 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 answering his call but um you did mention uh 
earlier uh, about the nonprofit that you started in uh, Uganda. And if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> it's the BBB Ministries of Uganda. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is Brave, Beautiful, Bold Ministries of Uganda. And it was, I picked these three words because it was the three things I wanted to instill in the children and the women out here because they have no idea what it means to to be brave, to stand up or to be beautiful, you know, or just, just like to have courage to be like, Hey, this is who I am. Like, stop walking all over me. Like children, especially women as well in this country are, they're used in a way I don't even like want to say life. Um, they're just very mistreated, very, very mistreated. And they're not treated as, especially women, they're not treated as human beings. Um, they're treated as uh, carriers and providers, if, if that makes sense across. <laughs> um, there are like a lot of the situations here are families where there's two, three wives and, and, you know, that, that is what a family consists of. Um, even though they call themselves Christians, it's not, we're not, uh, the area I'm in is not a Muslim faith area. We do have some Muslims, but not near us. And so um, it's just very difficult to see the way women and, and children are treated. And I was like, God, if I can show them what it means to be brave and to stand up, if I can show them what it means to be beautiful, it's not about looks you know, and it's just, or to just be bold and be like, Hey, like, no, like you as my husband can't beat me and you can't just use me as a rag and throw me out whenever you want. Like, um, and so that's where kind of the name came from. Um, just trying to show them like, you don't have to be abrasive or rude or disrespectful, but you do need to have a backbone and, and protect yourself if nobody else will. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of where, Brave, beautiful, bold came in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what's crazy? And they also described. Go ahead. <laughs> they also described me, so you know I had to put it off. There. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is what's crazy is that, um, and I just thought remember this right now, and this was not this timeline was not planned, but I I think if I'm correct, I saw on social media there's like a a tournament going on in Michigan to do a for a fundraiser uh for for your ministry on uganda if is that correct it just yeah i found out about it uh, i actually grew up with with the the young teens now or young adults um i grew up with in church with them and they'd messaged me and said hey we want the funds to go here and i was like wow like i was so i was so surprised and i just i was like this is so nice like it just i felt so loved from back home because i wasn't expecting it but yeah i just i just found out about that a little while ago and I think because at the time of uh, as we release this episode, I th- so we're going to be on a Wednesday. This episode is released. I think that tournament okay. is on that given Saturday, so three days after the release of this episode. Uh, so wow. if you're hearing this episode, guys, and you're living in Michigan <laughs> or you're in the surrounding areas, <laughs> go and support. Uh, go participate, support BBB Ministries of Uganda because uh, because you love God. Uh, because you support Lily and because you heard it here first on this podcast. But uh, that's crazy. It's crazy how <laughs> yes. everything just lined up. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, go but ahead and support that. <laughs> yeah. So so we started with this ministry. We are talking about it. Um, and obviously you've been uh, in Uganda for a few years now full time. Uh, i just like to give you the opportunity to just mention some highlights. I'm sure there's a, a ton of things that you can mention, but some very strong, notable highlights over the last few years uh, that just kind of, you know, regarding the ministry, your work there, everything that's happened, all the good things, maybe some bad things. Um, Also, I I mean, I was kind of looking through your profile and uh, it looks like, I mean, to my appearance, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, you adopted two children out in Uganda? I'm in the process of adoption. That has been the most emotional and, uh, mentally breaking process of my life (laughs) it truly truly has been like I've um I haven't spoken about it much just because we're still in the process of it but um with my first one Noah he's gonna be four in August um his mother wanted to abort him and she came to me said she would have an abortion if I didn't give her my word that if she gave birth I would take the child and it all happened that happened like she was full term and 
here, like it's very normal. Abortions happen full term. Uh, If they're given birth and there's nobody to take them, they'll be tied in bags and thrown on the side of the roads to like suffocate them. And so I knew, I knew what would happen. Oh, they throw them in uh, the like local toilets that they have. Um, That actually happened. That's a story that happened last, last early last year. Um, So anyway, so his mother kind of gave me this ultimatum and I was like, God, I can't say no. Like I was, I'm single out here. Like I didn't come looking to adopt children yet. And so um, I was like, please don't, don't have an abortion. Like I will, we'll figure it out. Like, like have this baby, we'll figure it out. And so um, two and a half weeks later, she gave birth and called me from the hospital and said, what name do you want for him? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's here. It happened. I, I know. I'm like, what, what is it? You know, and she's like, it's a boy. And my heart sunk at that moment because um, being single, like it's more difficult to adopt an opposite sex child than it is if I, if it was a little girl and my heart just sunk. And I'm like, God, what am I going to do with this child? Like, I already know the laws against me. And, um, and she's like, she just kept asking me, what name do you want? And at that point I was like blank. I couldn't think of any names because I was just so shocked. It happened so quickly. Um, I wasn't expecting to have a child in two and a half weeks. And um, I told her, I said, look, I need to pray about it because I, I don't know. I've never named a human being. And in that moment, I felt such a burden on my shoulders because I was like, this person's going to grow up one day with the name I'm about to give them. Like it, it, it felt so heavy at that moment. And I just never thought I'd be alone doing that. And um, I closed the phone and I, I just was praying. I was like, God, what, what am I supposed to name this child? Like, I don't know what to give him. And I was trying to go on Google and Google wasn't working. And it was just so frustrating. I'm like, today I need you, Google, and you don't want to work. And so I was trying to Google names and I couldn't, nothing was coming. And so it was a Sunday and we were getting ready to go to a baptism in another village. And I was like, I can't, I can't even like think of a name right now. So I was like, I'm just going to go and continue getting ready. And literally as I'm washing my face at the sink, I heard a voice twice and all it said very clearly and loudly, Noah Andrew. And like God has spoken to me in so many different ways in my life, but I never heard an audible voice. Like that was the first time it happened to me and the only till now, (laughs) um, but I heard it and I heard it twice and it was Noah Andrew. And so I called her back and I was like, this is what I just heard from God. And I was like, this is what we have to name him. And so Noah Andrew is on his birth certificate. Um, and yeah, so he's, he's been with me since he was born. He's going to be four in August. Um, and then prize prize just turned two. She came to me when she was eight months weighing less than two pounds, extremely malnourished. Um, I was very scared that she was going to die because she was just a hand of skin and bones. And I had never cared for such a malnourished child before. Um, and the mother said, it's either you or we bury her. Like we, there, there's no hope. We have nothing to do for her. And so um, I took her in and we did the whole like legal aspect of doing a police report and whatnot. Uh, just because as a foreigner, I can't have local children living in my home without having the authorities know about it. Um, but this little baby girl that was on her way to death, like now you've seen, I'm sure from seeing my social media, she's such a big chunky girl <laughs> and she's healthy. And um, that was probably one of the hardest times for me as well is, is seeing, looking at something physical and trying to figure out how this human was gonna survive. And then I look at it now and I see God's hand, like it's, it was a miracle and he made that miracle happen, you know, and and he made the miracle happen because I stepped up, you know, and I feel like we have chances in life, not just in third world countries, but even in the States where God might just be not necessarily testing us, but asking us to step up, you know, and it's like, if we step up, we get to see his miraculous hand and his faith in a different way than if we don't step up. And so I've stepped up and now I've been, I'm in this process of adoption and we're praying anybody out there, pray for us, pray for God to have, have it go through. It's been, it's been grueling. It's been hard. Um, I was denied twice for adoption of Noah, uh, not for any legal reasons, 
just because um, the probation officer in town doesn't really like to deal with uh, white people and she has certain problems against me. And so um, it's been very difficult. So now like we're kind of at the end stage where I just really need God to come through. Like God is the only one that is going to truly move this mountain and like get this adoption process to go through. I haven't been to the States since 2018 because I'm uh, Noah's legal foster parent. And so I can't just leave and I can't leave with him. And so it's been very difficult not being able to just see family and just take a break from constantly pouring out and constantly giving and just, you know, it feels like it's just, it's not ending. So pray for us, pray for this process to, to be finalized in favor. Um, there are definitely a lot of just spiritual attacks coming and God is bigger and God is over all of it. And I know that, and I believe that, and, um, you know, Don and I were talking and it's just truly trying to give it up to him and leave it in his timing. It's very difficult to do that sometimes. And so, um, that's where we're at with, with the kids, with the two kids. Yeah. And we'll, we will continue to pray for God's hand over this situation and that he may open a, open a door for this adoption process to go through because, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing to see how he's worked so far. And I, th- yeah. I mean, I just from hearing the the work that he, that he did through you know both of the children when they were born, um, it just, it gives me a tremendous amount of faith that he will continue to work even in this situation, uh, in the obstacles and opposition that you're facing right now is just, uh, you know, we have a great and powerful mm-hmm. God that, that is just watching over us and, and wants us to prosper and wants us to do great work for him. So um, I am you know, I, I am very encouraged by it, and I have faith that he will he will continue to work even in this situation in these trying mm-hmm. times. Um, but that's awesome. That's awesome to hear uh, about the two kids. I'm glad they're doing well and they're healthy. Um, and I know I kind of bombarded you with two questions earlier, uh, but uh, in the last okay. couple of years here in uh, doing ministry in Uganda, or there, I shouldn't say here, um, if there are a couple of highlights you want to mention, certain things, uh, I'm 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 not very familiar with the work that you've done so far. So if there's something that you want to mention, uh, absolutely uh, go for it. Okay, so we we do quite a few different things out here. We have a medical clinic, we have a vocational training center for battered and abused women or women that are sick that have HIV. Um, the medical clinic is literally providing free care for anyone and everyone at this point. Um, just this year, I'll, I'll throw some facts out there. We've spent over $9,000 just from January to the end of April in our medical clinic. Um, people are finding out more and more and the, the cases every day are just getting, um, they're more complicated, a lot of more surgeries. And because we're a general clinic, we do have to like work and partner up with different hospitals, whether they're near us or whether they're all the way in the capital. Um, but it's, we've seen, I think over 5,000 patients in the last, uh, three years since the clinic has opened. And that's just average. I didn't even sit there to like, that was just our average. Cause we get over a little over a hundred patients every time we're open. Um, but it's just been a window of opportunity to speak about God and to be able to pray for people if they want prayer. Um, and just to show God's compassion, people here are taught that you don't get anything without giving something. And it's, it's such uh, an eye opener for them to understand, like, why are you giving us this for free? Like, why are you helping us? Why are you being so nice or why? And it's like, because of God's love, like why else, you know? So it's, it's just such a great open window to say, and to talk about the gospel with people and to show them that God loves you guys more than anybody else in this world. And God will take care of you regardless of what you're going through, you know? And so the clinic has been a big one, our vocational center for women. Um, this is our second program. So basically I run it as a two-year program where the women come in, they're selected, they come in and they, they get trained on different craft making, sewing, a weaving, um, to make different products. And then we sell their products for them for free. So like if a basket sells for $25, the lady here is getting $25. We do not take anything from it. Um, different donations that come in, I have budgets that are set and we have a budget for that area. And if people donate and say, Hey, Lily, I want my donation to go to the women's 
vocational training center, then that money goes there. And with that money, we're able to buy, uh, you know, sewing material, we're able to buy sewing machines, we're, we're able to buy weaving, whatever it is that is needed, so that we don't take any money from them. Um, and then we've, we built uh, this year, the school is done, we're actually starting next week with fourth grade. Um, this is the only school in this area of a little about five to 6,000 kids. There is, uh, there's only one other, one other government school um, and they don't have a large capacity. And so our capacity of, of the school is gonna be 300. So we'll be able to have 300 kids, but because of COVID and, and like the regulations they have right now, we're only able to start with fourth grade. But either way, we're so excited. Like um, the village kids are excited. They, they just can't believe it's actually happening because for the last two years, we would teach them in like this plastic tarp with like trees you know, and it would rain on them and they, they didn't even care. They would stay there wet, shivering, but they would still like want to learn. And so just seeing their passion and their like tenacity to be like, Hey, I don't care what I have to sit through or go through. I'm going to sit here and try to get an education. It just makes me like that more, that much more excited that like God has blessed us and able to like build a really beautiful school where it's clean and it's indoors and they're not going to have to worry about any like outside weather conditions. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been pretty amazing, but, um, those are kind of some of them. I'll, I'll mention a few other ones, uh, but like really important, just teaching, like providing medical and education and sustainability have always been on my heart for people. I feel like if you are going to preach the gospel, you can't preach it to them on an empty stomach. You can't like, they're not going to listen to you. I've experienced it enough where if someone's hungry, they will be zoned out. And so, you know, act, your, your actions and God's word have to go hand in hand. You, you cannot separate the two and be like, well, I preached to them and, you know, nobody listened. Well, there's a reason why, like you have to give them a piece of bread or something, you know, like <laughs> um, candy works too. That's just not healthy at this point, but um, yeah. So there's a few um, on our sustainability side. We've We've given over, I think, 220 families, we've given them solar. So um, we don't have electricity out here, even the campus home, we're on solar. Um, and so 220 families have light. They don't have like outlets like to charge anything, but they don't really need them. But they have light, they each home has four light bulbs. And it's been so amazing because our village, we can actually see. And at night, it literally looks like a little city on a hill. Like it's just, it's so beautiful to see. And it just reminds me of God's goodness and God's provision. Um, but yeah, we've, we've done that with solars. We pooled, uh, I worked with National Water from here from Uganda and we bought pipes and we worked with locals um, and we were able to pull water up here, a village that never had water. Um, so when I first came out to this village, I think that was one of the first things on my heart was how do I get them water? We need water up here. Um, and so it was a very like, big celebration and just such a big joy when, when that finally happened. Um, and we pay, we pay for the monthly bill, like the ministry, the money that comes in pays for the monthly bill every month for the village to have water. Um, it was just really important because a lot of the cases we'll get at the clinic are because of hygiene, like infections, um, and whatnot happen because they're not washing. And so water was important. Soap was important. And that's soap and clothing and food we give so often. Um, actually the other day, dad and I, we bought a thousand bars of soap and I thought like each bar of soap is probably, uh, 14 inches long and about three inches wide. And so it's a, yeah, it's a very big piece of soap. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, I think the ones the, fa the Romanian families need with all the kids we have. But, um, anyway, it was, uh, they're, they're very big. And so we've started giving them out, um, to patients that come to the clinic that are having more of like medical issues because of hygiene. Um, the village I'm in, we have 83 uh, households. So like 83 families. And so each family got a, a bunk bed over here. They're called double deckers. Um, they got a bunk bed. They got mattresses. They got blankets. Uh, we've given families, goats, chickens. I think we've given chickens to over 600 families three chickens to each family. Cause again, sustainability, you want, you know, like, I want to teach them like, Hey, 
like you're getting, you got three chickens from these chickens. You can get eggs. They can, you know, get other chickens. <laughs> and so, um, just trying to show them like, you don't have to depend on like, just cause a lot of them here are they're They're like basic food is posho and beans. Posho is like the Romanian standard of mamaliga. But the way they make it here is like rock solid because again, they don't have utensils. So they eat with their hands. Um, and so just trying to show them like, you know, the chickens bringing in eggs, bringing in meat once, you know, they have other little chickens. And so um, avocado trees. And so just trying to, to show them like there's other options. If, if you truly take what we give you and you take care of it, like you'll be blessed from the fruits of it. And so, um, yeah, those are some of the, some of the things I was trying to look at my list. (laughs) (laughs) We've given, uh, we've given Bibles to hundreds of families. Um, and we'll still have sometimes people coming and asking for Bibles. When I first came out here, they told me that they didn't have Bibles because only the priest was allowed to touch a Bible. Like they're not allowed. They, they were taught that because they are not holy, they're not allowed to touch the Bible. They're not allowed to read the Bible. And I said, what? <laughs> Where is this priest, first of all, so I can have a conversation with him. And so um, we definitely got into, uh, we bought Bibles and we were like, this is the word of God. You cannot, yes, you can't throw it around and you can't break it and you can't pull out pages for your firewood. And you can't like, those are things you can't do, but this is the most powerful book in the world. This is what will change your life. You reading this, this Bible. And so, um, that was, that was such a big change for them. And it actually brought me a lot of problems, um, with the church and just, they're always trying to close me down. They're like just two weeks ago, they're trying to get our church to shut down because they're not happy that, you know, their, their church members have started coming to our church. Um, because here the church world is a business world, you know, even in the poor villages, they take these people's money. Like the priest won't visit your home. If you don't give him something to pray over you, like if you die, they tell you, we won't bury you if you're not a member at our church. And it's just very sad how they're using it for financial reasons. They're not even using church to change people's lives for Christ. They're using it to make money. And I'm not like, we don't even take tithes at our church. We tell them tithe your time that we don't need your 30 cents. Like your 30 cents isn't going to change anything. Your time coming to church and learning about God, that will change your life. And so, um, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's been wonderful what God has done. Honestly, I, it's been three years since we officially, we opened we officially opened in November of 2018. It took eight months to build the campus home and the medical clinic. And then that's when I moved up to the village. Um, and I look around sometimes and that's why I always tell people like, I love that people want to give it makes my heart warm and full of butterflies. But I just like, I always encourage them, like take that money and just come out here and see it. Your life will change more And God will do more through you seeing what's out here than the finances you can send, you know? And I know it's, it's so difficult right now in the like times we're living and with everything going on with COVID and the constant testing and the constant, like things are requiring, but it's possible. Like if we truly want to go out and serve, there are options and I'm not the only one. I mean, I was talking to Donna about this the other day. There are so many nonprofit organizations, good people that are doing God's work that would benefit from having people in the first world that are educated and have common sense um, that would come out and serve in some capacity. And so, yeah, I mean, we, that's only some of the stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to condense it all down. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but those are the, some of like the bigger, like factual things that, that we've done in the last few years. And uh, I know, obviously, kind of looking back on and the origins of this of this story of your of your transition of your move to to, to Africa, and I know we we kind of live day by day uh, to God's call in our lives, but at the same time, we as humans inevit- inevitably always look to the future to to see what could be and what could happen 
even if we're right now waiting for God to 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 kind of decide every move to set the path straight. But uh, you're there right now. Uh, what do you? Where mm-hmm. do you see yourself in, let's say, ten years? Do you see yourself still out there being there full time? Do you see yourself maybe relocating to the states for a while and kind of going back and forth? Where would you see yourself in ten years? <laughs> this is funny because my current ten year plan is upside down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the ten year plan I had ten years ago was not this, and so. Um, Honestly, I would love to be able to be at the point where I could travel to the States a bit more often. Um, that's that's kind of where I see, like, I, I really am trying to work with locals and trying to train them and teach them on how to step up. It's been a very difficult process because um, here to to work with a white person, a lot of it, a lot of them take it to their heads and a lot of pride starts happening. And of course they're paid better. And then that comes in and it just, then they end up stealing or they end up doing something. This has happened to me repeatedly where I put my trust in someone. I start working with them and like a year later, they'll steal from me or they'll do something that is just, it's not okay. And so then I let them go. Um, But that's what I'm praying for, you know, like the right people that can help run and manage things because it is a very big uh, organization on the ground. Um, and so there's so many different facets that are all running at the same time and just to be able to manage it all. But I, I do hope to be able to travel back and forth. Um, I don't know if I would be, I think I'd spend most of my time here, but just having the option to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to go to the States for a little bit and breathe, um, and then come back. Um, that, that would be ideal, but who knows? God could come in 10 years. Then we could be in heaven and I'd be even happier. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh and Lily, as yeah. as we're uh as we're wrapping this episode up, um I know we kinda of, kinda of mentioned a lot and I know there's a lot to mention. Uh but we I, I think we covered most of the bases that we wanted to cover to talk about this ministry. But let's say there's someone out there listening who 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 is you ten years ago kind of mm-hmm. in church, maybe stuck going through their routine, whatever they do, serving in church, maybe not feeling fulfilled. Um, what piece of advice would you give them? Let's say maybe they're called to this sort of ministry, maybe they're called to a different ministry, but you as a person who has not only heard God's call, but audibly heard his voice in in, in, in one of the trials that you're going through, um, what piece of advice would you give to that young person listening today? Oh man, just one. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, from a young age, I, I think I was probably 19 or 20 when I really started praying and asking God, God, what is it that you put me on earth for? What is my purpose? What is my calling? Like I would always ask him to show it to me, to reveal it to me. And <clears throat> I'm very blessed and fortunate that he did. And I was young. I was 21 when it all happened. And I can look back at my entire twenties and my single life and say, I gave it all to God. I served God and I have no regrets in any of it. And I think it's so important for the young people listening and even singles live a purposeful life in this season that you're in. It is never too early and it is never too late to step out of what is normal and serve for God. And that's coming from someone that like, you know, I told you in the beginning, like I had to go against church. I had to go against my family, like, and I don't regret any of it because I stepped into what God was calling me to. And when we're asking God to show us our purpose or to show us his will for our lives, it's going to be uncomfortable but that uncomfort, like that uncomfortable stage shouldn't scare people away because what comes after it, like the fruits of stepping into God's purpose is so, so sweet and wonderful. And even though there are like trials and just really hard things that life throws at you, it's worth it all. Like it is worth it to know there's this peace that happens inside of you, inside your soul, not even your heart or your mind, but inside your soul when you're like, man, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm doing exactly what God intended for my life. It's, it's something that nobody can take away from you. Like I was talking to someone about having a degree and it's, it's like, oh yeah, someone can never take it from you. You earned it. You worked for it. It's similar in this instance. Like 
being in the purpose of, of, of what God has for you is just, it's so soul fulfilling, you know? And I just like, sometimes I tell Donna, like, sometimes I wish I could take what I have in my heart and just, just like plop it physically into other people's hearts and others and their lives, just so that they would like understand that feeling and that, that, that fulfillment that comes from like, not just being content with what God is doing in your life, but the fact that you can stand before God on judgment day and say, God, I did what you called of me, you know? And, and it's just, I encourage you guys all out there, start praying and asking God, what is your purpose? And even if he starts in open and discernment so that your eyes are open to see it when God is showing it to you, because there's going to be moments where God will show you, you guys, God is God and he is faithful and he wants nothing more sometimes than to bless us as his children, especially when we're saying, God, what did you make me for? What, what, what is your purpose for me? He's going to reveal it to you. And so I just say like when, when God reveals it to you, even if it's difficult or you're like, there's no way that's not normal for our time, step into it. Like, like, don't, don't be scared. Like we're so scared in life sometimes because of, oh, this person's going to say this, or the community's going to say that another Romanian thing, cultural, like gossip, like God forbid someone, you know, <laughs> someone says something, stop living by what people are saying. It doesn't matter what matters at the end of the day is what God is going to say. And you want to make him proud, you know? And it's like, I don't do what I do out of duty. I do it out of love. Like I love the Lord and loving him and loving people. It fulfills your life in just a different way, you know? And I want people to experience that, like step out of your bubble and, and serve in some capacity, like find, find what your purpose is to be in the will of God. It's I'm telling you, it's life-changing. It really, really is. Thank you. Thank you, Lily, for, for sharing that. And thanks for agreeing to be on this episode. I really appreciate it. Um, someone once told me that they thought they said they were, they were encouraging me saying that this ministry that I'm doing with the podcast is, is a blessing because it kind of brings people's voices out and lets them be heard, uh, if they haven't been already. And, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, this is my 38, 38th episode. And if there's one wow. story that I like, would pick to be told it's it's absolutely yours i think it's just so powerful oh, thank you. it's so powerful to see how god has not only guided you to, to that side of the world but just worked tremendously uh with your with your four short full-time years over there so so thank you so much for for agreeing to be on and um if people out there want to find you uh, either on social media or the internet to either follow your story kind of check in on updates, maybe find out more info or even support uh, the ministry, uh, where can they do so? They can literally go to bbbministriesofuganda.com. We, we do have a website and uh, I've been working on kind of sending everyone there just because um, on social media, Instagram has been okay, but Facebook has constantly blocked me left and right just because of my, some of my posts are like, if I use the word God or if I use, too many faith filled words in my post. Sometimes it won't even let it go up. Um, or if I like something political, right, left, right. Or if I, um, post anything or like anything religious again, it blocks me. So I've been, I've been trying to send everybody to our website. Um, that's where a lot of people will find out basically everything we do, everything we've done so far, how to get in contact with me, how to help, how to come out here and volunteer. Um, all that information is out there. And Marcus, thank you as well. Like, this is a blessing. I was telling Donna, I was like, oh my gosh, like what? I've never done one of these. Like, I'm, I, I'm not, not that I'm nervous, but I'm just overwhelmed because I don't know how to tell everything I need to tell. Um, but thank you. Well, thank you as well. Like, I feel like God is using you and that's amazing. I told you in the beginning, like, I was so surprised to hear it that within the Romanian community, somebody's stepping up and doing this and it is a blessing. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to see someone doing it out there. Someone's stepping up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. And uh, I will tag the uh, the uh, website in our show notes. So if you want to click on that, that, that's where they can find it. I'll also kind of mention that tournament out there. If you guys are out there 
please attend, participate, support uh, the cause, support the the ministry that Lily and her team are are doing out there in Uganda. But uh, thank you so much for being here, and thank you, listeners out there, for uh, listening today, tonight, wherever, whatever time it may be. Um, I really appreciate all the all the support that you guys have given to this ministry um, thus far, and all the continual support. Um, again, last couple of announcements. You can follow us on our Instagram for any all updates at the Potter's House, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's where we're on. We're on a couple more platforms too, but they're a little more minor. Um, if you have a iPhone, please go to that purple icon, the Apple Podcast app. Scroll down, tap the stars, and write a written review. It really helps with the exposure of the show. Uh, iTunes has a certain algorithm that they have, so the more of that, uh, the more uh, exposed the show will be. And lastly, uh, May 26th is approaching. That will be the last episode release. I think it will be two weeks from the release of this episode. Uh, So thank you for that. And then uh, more updates to follow. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time.